This is a Polar Star Podcast. and thank you for hitting play on my show today. This is the Polar Star Podcast, where I have conversations with artists, entertainers, and business owners that call Maine home. My guest this week is stand-up comic Caleb Sherman. Caleb and I spend this conversation throwing each other down memory lane. Caleb is somebody I wish I met 10 years ago. We would have been fast friends, and we definitely became fast friends in the comedy community. Uh, we have an incredible amount in common. We, we grew up in the same culture in separate cities, idolizing musicians and countercultures. Um, our conversation definitely gets heavy into our drug endeavors, but it's a large part of how we developed our identities, exploring our minds, philosophies, tolerances, and boundaries within ourselves and each other. Finding acceptance around stigmas is definitely part of life that we have cherished the most. And I feel like that's what I took away from this conversation. Uh, Caleb is a good friend to me in the comedy community. I'm definitely grateful to have had this conversation with him. The fact that we get to share it with you makes it that much better for the both of us, really. If you like this show, please tell a friend, subscribe where you listen, and visit PolarStarPodcast.com to see everything that's coming out of the Polar Star studio here. Please email PolarStarPodcast at gmail.com if you want to be a sponsor, if you want to appear on the show, or if you want to develop a show of your own. And if you want to learn how to develop a show, please reach out. I wanted I want to match uh, producers with content creators here in, in this studio and use this space to its fullest extent. So please reach out to PolarStarPodcast at gmail.com. With no further delay, here's my conversation with Caleb Sherman. I wake up anywhere between like noon and two and then I'm like, um, and then I, I'm up until... At least four a.m. At least, damn. I'm not. I'm not. A, yeah, yeah. We're like inverse. We're, really? Yeah. Operating on different sides of the spectrum. I so. I know so many people that are morning people too, and I think that I think that in some way I'm like fighting my nature yeah, by not be, being a morning person. <laughs> like I feel like I'm meant to be a morning person. Mm-hmm. And when Aren't I all? <laughs> yeah, and when not I do nocturnal. I see. I don't think that. I think some people, some people, some people can do it. Function a little bit better in the in the nighttime, the the off time. You know. I feel like I thought I was for the longest time. I would burn the midnight oil, but I don't know. Mm. I know so many people Come in and out of it. Maybe it's, it's like a youth thing too. That's that's exactly not, what I think. Or spring chickens. <laughs> no, no. Um, but uh, but Caleb Sherman, thank hey. you for being here. Thank you for having me, Lee. Happy <laughs> we, to chat. Yeah, it's um, we have rescheduled this a few times, so we did. But yeah, here we are. Um, but yeah, I I know a few people. The guy I work with, he like he's just up at like six a.m. now. Mm-hmm. He just does. He just gets up. Yeah, it's definitely been a little bit COVID related. Really, to just be a morning person. My work schedule is a little different. I get off a little earlier. I'm less exhausted. So I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes though, sometimes I wait. I do usually get like six, seven hours of sleep. You do? Yeah. Okay. Like, do you have any trouble with sleep? I've been trying to get better quality sleep lately. I like. Do you wake up in the middle of the night? 
I feel like I, it's hard to say. I have no memory of doing so. Yeah. But then also I kind of do. Like I feel like I toss and turn. Do you? And I'm a mouth breather, which is not ideal. <laughs> Science says that's bad. Yeah. That's like related to like a reduction in your IQ over time. Did you know that? I, yes, <laughs> I have. Yeah. It's it, fucked up. I, I started taping my mouth shut. Really? Literally tape my mouth shut. <laughs> it works. Only when my nose works. So like my nose has been broken too many times to function every day. Has it really? So it's just like non-functioning. Like last night I couldn't do the tape the whole night. I took it off before I fell asleep. Really? Because my nose was just not working. Yeah. See, fucked up. I, I, did, I did what I thought was irreparable damage to my nose. <laughs> yeah. Turns out it's fine. That's good. Yeah. It turns out I cleared some things. I cleared some... <laughs> Some passages. Yeah. Just sort of like, uh, like sticking a hot iron up there. What do you, you like just quarterized your. Yeah. 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 It's callous. Yep. It's just, it's all calloused up. It's for the better. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a uh, nose breather yeah. now. Yeah. I wish I was. So clear. Work on it so hard. It's so hard to not mouth breathe. Yes. And it's <laughs> like, there's no winning when you're trying to like. No. It's not a pretty thing to just like try to breathe through your nose lab- laboriously. It's, it's ugly. <laughs> it's ugly. It's not fun. I I've been doing I I've I have a regular meditation practice now, which mm. has actually trained me a mm. little bit better to That's breathe awesome. through my nose. Yeah, because it's all nose breathing. I should. Yeah, I should make a breathing exercise a part of my day. Yeah. It helps. Yeah. It really helps. I bet it would. Yeah. There have been brief stints in my life where I've managed to meditate with some regularity, but I've never made it a practice, you know? Yeah. I have a, the utmost respect for it's new. the practice. It's new. It's good. Keep yeah. It up. I'm sure yeah. it'll have benefits beyond the nose. We'll see. Yeah. You know, I'm doing <laughs> Things are going okay. attitude about it. <laughs> I like that. See? I think it's already working. <laughs> it's good. Just chill. We'll see. That is meditation, right? Yeah. I'm just sitting here with my thoughts, breathing. Yeah, we'll it's see okay. what happens. Focus on breath. And <laughs> yes. Yes. At the beginning of it, I wanted to like make something happen, mm-hmm. which I think is normal. That's a normal way to get into totally. it. Yeah. Uh, and then it was just like, oh, no, I just need to just wait. I just need to wait, like be patient. And yeah. so now my thing is I just, I just patiently wait for the timer to end. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great yeah that is a great explanation of meditation yeah. patiently waiting for the timer i do end. it for 20 minutes and i and and my timer has like a breathing function on it so if i get distracted i just tune into the the breath the breath work it's like four and six out mm. so when i get to which i obviously get distracted and i'm trying not to check the time now i'm like i'm down to only checking the time once well, when you say you get distracted, you mean you... you I start to lose myself in thoughts. You're thinking, right? And yeah. So you stop. You have to stop thinking and just focus on breath again or... I stop. Sort of empty. Yeah. yeah. I, I, take, I literally can feel myself taking the focus away from breath back into thought. Right. Such a beautiful practice. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Because to, to, you're exercising that ability to recognize when you've become distracted, right? Yes. So like that you can sort of pull, you can sort of clench that muscle if you have to and not be distracted Ex- more and more. Exactly. Exactly. And and it's 
and it's being aware of where your focus is. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. I feel like that's the hardest part because, you know, we live in a distracted, you know, yeah. society. Oh, we, yeah. we grew up distracted. Yeah. And more distractions than things to be distracted from. Exactly. <laughs> and, and the, and the, and like the, it's, I want to say like fetish, 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 fetishizing, multitasking, tasking, you right. know? Yeah. Multitasking brought to the level of yeah, fetish. People identify as sort of scatterbrained, like involved, highly effective people who are doing all the things, spinning all the plates all the time. And like, that's a good thing. Capitalism. Yeah. yeah. It's and, very work driven, like goal oriented focus of life, which I think is. We're, but you gross. truly get more done and more out of what you're doing. If you mm -hmm. just focus on one thing at a time. For sure. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Not always great at it myself, but. We're, yeah. No, it's like, it's like this new <laughs> thing that nobody taught us, but we have to learn. Yeah. Oh, I feel like not, I'm like very good at not wanting to do a lot of things, <laughs> but I'm <laughs> yeah. like focused on like the realizing where my attention is being spent, like that part of it. I'm not always good at get caught up in thought and spiral at times, you know? Yes. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And, and, and where it's like, I want people's attention. Mm -hmm. So I need to start being aware of where mine is. That's awesome. I love that. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. how can I expect people to care enough to give me their attention if mine is, yeah, how, what do we even know about attention? It, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine has like to be that. engaged if I expect other people's to be. Right. You know, mm. let's get into just how we know each other. Oh, yeah. we know each other through stand up comedy. Yeah. Open mics. Open mics. The strolling into open mics, being like a real fan, I feel like. Loving. The scene. I, I and do. Dabbling, having yes. fun, getting up there sometimes, being one of the few fans that like has the balls to like do it and to like appreciate the craft at the level of a participant in the craft. And yet kind of takes your you're the man behind the scenes, usually. Yeah. So you kind of take you have a just such an I've always respected your appreciation of the open mic for what it is. <laughs> yeah. And like your ability with the other comics. The people who kind of like go after it in this little local scene that we're adjacent to or a part of. Yeah. You have always just sort of fit right in to that crowd because you're like, yep, this is the show. Like, I know what's going on here. I can, I, I <laughs> like being a good audience. Hell yeah. I yes. really do. You're a great audience member. And <laughs> yeah. also I think pretty funny on occasion. <laughs> on occasion. Sometimes. <laughs> if I have something to say. Sometimes I just get up there because I want to get up there and I have, I yeah. actually have nothing to say. And it's I have fun. not, and that's when it's like, you know, you get, you get, uh, a, a, a quick dose of reality. <laughs> yeah. It's a shot of life, but it feels good. But I, so I wanted to ask you because, mm -hmm. because you, you just set me up so perfectly yeah. for my question. Oh, okay. Um, I, okay. I have been doing open mics for six years. Um, but yet I still don't call myself a comedian by any sense of the word. Yeah. I've gotten booked on one or two shows, 
in six years, but it's because, as you said, it's it's a it's a hobby for me. Mm-hmm. I have my career, and I don't have the time to put in like I have that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, out of respect for comedy, I don't call myself a comedian because I haven't <laughs> broken out of open mics at all. You're open micer. Would you call yourself a comedian? Because you've gotten booked. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I identify as a as a person. Like a, a comic, a comedian. You do. Uh, a f- yeah. You comfortably w- yeah. C- will label yourself that. For sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's, but it's, I still also, I mean, am I a hobbyist too? I don't know. I like, <laughs> I have a, a career path. <laughs> I, I can do that. Yeah. Um, does that mean that I like have to get six bookings a month and like get paid? I don't know. I, I would refer to myself as an open micer up until I was like regularly doing paid work, mostly at Empire. You were, yeah, okay, and like I think that's the threshold. Hosting shows, getting getting paid. That's sort of a weird place to draw the line, but I feel like you're right. Like it's yeah. like, yeah, I, I'm well, and like, are is anyone in Portland is right a now a comedian? To, I mean, right now, no one's doing it. So I, yeah, I think <laughs> if you have been paid and you can and in the last six months, like, it, what's the cutoff? <laughs> It's a weird place to draw the line, and it's like a definitional obscurity. I think there's, I think see if you're calling yourself a comedian and you aren't, everybody but you knows it. Like, yeah. like <laughs> you did two open mics and then you put it in your Facebook bio. Yes, not calling anybody out in the Portland Maine area. Yeah, but <laughs> we all just it's just like no, you're not. Yeah, you're also I a social media of, influencer. Again, I'll repeat myself. Out of respect for the craft, I don't know how you can, you know, <laughs> yeah. think it, think you are yeah. if if you haven't gotten booked and or paid to do spots, you know. Like sure. So so I I just wanted to ask that because because we are in this fledgling scene of comedy, mm-hmm. you know, th- where there it's the, even the people who have been doing it a long time here haven't been doing it a crazy amount of time True, with the people that we kind of hang out with. Yeah. Um, there are a few, there are a few. Oh yeah. Um, hustle. Yeah. And it's respect. I, the people who, who can make it, you know, a regular part of life here. Yeah. I respect. Respect the hell out of that. It's not easy. No. Getting down to Boston, New York, on the regular, getting up. You got to really want up it. Here. Yeah. The Al Gonikers, you know. Yeah. The the Colby Bradshaws, especially. Jason Fogg. I'm not familiar with the Jason Fogg or around not here. Jason. What, uh, what's his dad's name? Um, oh, Dennis Fogg? Dennis Fogg. Dennis Fogg. <laughs> I work you know, with Jason. Oh, okay. Yeah. Dennis Fogg has been doing it for like longer than I've been alive. Um, exactly. And also running a business, I think, and like being a family person. Exactly. Like, respect. He cracks me up. Yeah. And he, yeah. And he's like slick. I don't like, he's, you know, a boomer, but yeah. Like, uh, he's, yeah, he's a slick comic. He's fucking got his lines down and he knows how to play with them and experiment. And he's constantly bringing something new. Yeah. Which oh, is yeah. what Pushing I like. It. He's yeah. helped me. He helped me refine the Ash chant. Do you remember my closer? My go. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Like, I like that. Because I used to just like chant ass with yeah, people. Yeah. If you're a tits man or ass man. <laughs> but he was like, it needs to be duh, duh, duh. It needs to be 
we mm, mm, like yeah, we yeah. love ass and not just and ass, then it started ass, working ass. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 and it wasn't just a crazy man on stage chanting <laughs> ass it was like oh okay yeah we're gonna join in yeah That's a great thing one of my favorite memories with you was that you know i get i get wrapped up in work and i can't get i can't make it uh you know i can't get on stage for weeks at a time you know mm -hmm. i just get busy Mm -hmm. during our busy seasons and so um i remember i was i got out of work and i was walking by empire on on an open mic night and i ran into you and you're like come come on like come on get up what are you doing i'm like i i got nothing i got nothing i i, I want to but and then it was like uh i was like because i was i loved your um antiques roadshow bit oh yeah and, and so i was like i'll go get on stage if i can do your antiques roadshow bit <laughs> you did it better because, than me because i want ever. you because i want i want to show you that it's funny <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was great when he did it <laughs> yeah and uh that was one of my favorite that was definitely a highlight was um was was doing doing that bit that was a great night. I remember that vaguely, but yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and I, I pre, I was like, this, I have permission to do Caleb's bit. Yeah, <laughs> that was one of those bumping nights too. I feel like, I feel like. So I appreciate it because it it got it got me laughs and and you yeah. know it, I mean you got it was you got the laughs no, but you, th through you me. Yeah, you, you. I was you a conduit to laugh. You had a vision for that bit. I love that you bit. Executed it well. Because <laughs> I, I, I want you to do it. Because <laughs> I want you to keep doing yeah. it. It's yeah. it's it's timeless. That that premise is so timeless. Well, for our generation that grew up with Antiques Roadshow on right. just like on. every day. Yeah. You yeah. know, and so and so that reference is just <laughs> kind of evergreen. Yeah. I'm and I believe in that joke. <laughs> it's ages old. That I mean, is it? Yeah, I I guess I've backed off. I should have been more bold about that one. Should have just done it more. <laughs> and also just leaned into the fact that like having lived with the crackhead, I can poke a little fun at the idea. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. People, I feel like people in Portland, Maine, are like pretty sensitive about it. Having had like, been a crackhead, <laughs> I, yeah. I, could, I could lean into it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You did say more once or after I did that, you were like, nah, we can take it. I was like, I don't want to be seen to be disparaging <laughs> people with substance abuse disorder. And you're like, ah, we can take it. <laughs> I want Fucking it. Fucking do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I love. Which I love. And it, it's not punching down. That joke is not about punching down at all. No. There should be a crackhead roadshow. It's a little, it's a little <laughs> stereotype, but I don't. I think it's in a way it's it's toward a person it's toward a stereotype that laughs at themselves. I guess so. What I do now is I just kind of uh, now that now that we're here mm -hmm. now now we we make our way back to this oh. general this general location. Okay. Uh, so where are you from? Middle of fucking nowhere, Pennsylvania. You grew up where in Pennsylvania. I grew up. Okay. Did my growing up from sixth grade to uh, my first year of college. Okay. Yeah, your formative years. That's right. That's like when you do your growing up. Small town, very rural as fuck. Like farms, little tiny little uh, sort of suburban town. Small town, really. like small schools. Um, there were five hundred kids in my graduating class. Yeah, so some people that's tiny. Small, yeah, some people that's really big. 
I want to get a picture of what high school Caleb was like. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, uh, I would I like definitely identify with the 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 teen like people for people for whom adolescence was kind of rough. <laughs> like okay. teen uh slipknot shirts. Yes. Um like uh just really shitty attitude. <laughs> yes. Um, we would have been friends. My best friend growing yeah. up, uh, or one of my really close friends, Shelly, same slipknot shirts. You know, we we all dyed our hair. We I all like never dyed my hair, but I know. Yes, that scene. That, yeah, those kids yeah. were my uh, yeah my crew. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, I uh, you had you kind of you wanted to. You felt like you had somewhere to go. You had bigger, it, bigger place. It wasn't fucking school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. a waste of my time. School yes. was like, I was above it all. Did you and, get good grades? Uh, I skated by as like a B student and yeah. didn't ever have to Without put having a lot of tried. effort. Yeah. But. I feel like it. that's pretty common. Yeah. I'm, I'm learning now there's, there's sort of like a category of like in therapy that therapists think of as of like burnt out gifted kids. Like. <laughs> Gifted kids who were, they were told, oh, you're so smart, rather than like, oh, you worked really hard. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. They were rewarded just, so like, you did well on a test. And it was like, oh, that's great. You, cause you kill it. Like, you're just so smart, rather than like, oh, you must have studied really hard. So I feel like the people who end up being academics or like really, truly brilliant intellectuals are the ones who worked who liked who studied developed the habit studied yes. had to put real effort into understanding concepts yes and then people who took it all for granted and were just shitty and didn't absorb the sort of unwritten curriculum of like how to how to like lay out and learn like how to discipline yourself to learn and absorb information yes they just become like the kind of artist burnout like <laughs> fuzzy headed types. your therapist told you this no i, I picked up actually uh, some youtuber dr k on youtube or um, okay healthy gamer gg <laughs> i'm not familiar. <laughs> he's like some harvard educated therapist very good but did a, like a whole special with just like burnt out gifted kids and um i identify as that like i took a lot of ap classes so that was also me in in high schools like like uh in the advanced classes i think that's a flawed model of education to begin with that you have the kids the advanced track kids the large swath of normal kids and then the tiny tucked away resource room for the kids who are like need remedial stuff that it's is funny you bring up that thing. up it's funny you bring that up because i was like a hybrid mm. i i had an individualized education plan and resource room and, and, and help in school. Yeah. yeah. But I was also in honors math. Nice. <laughs> and so it's like, I, I just like made, you know, I, I kind of, I kind of broke that mold that you're talking about. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. Yeah. Where did you go to school? I'm like from Wil Wilmington, Massachusetts. Oh, Mass. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. North shore. Mass. I don't know. Well, I don't know mass. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, it, it honestly sounds 
uh, when I was there, it was, it was suburbs, you know, it was, it was a really kind of, you know, soft white bread suburban town. Um, but it, it had that kind of woodsy feel, you know, mm-hmm. it was, there's a lot of swamps that couldn't be built on in Wilmington. So there's right. a lot of undeveloped land. Um, and there was like, like I was in boy scouts and there was like a boy scout camp, like in the town, you know? Word. So it was, there was, it was like, it was this kind of odd place to be, you know, it was mm-hmm. like 20 minutes away from Boston. Oh, wow. But like it had like woods and trails yeah. and, you know, swamps and things like that. Sounds kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. It was definitely, uh, um, privileged as we would say now. Yeah. Yeah. It's odd. It's, it's weird there. We were like an hour and a half, two hours outside of New York city in the place in Pennsylvania I was. Okay. Like, but only 20, like the nearest mall was in New York, in Middletown, New York, Southern Orange County, New York. And, uh, Jersey was like, five minutes down the road over a bridge so there's like it's a weird connected sort of place but like full of waterfalls and national park areas and like uh just trails and also we lived in a development called the water forest where there was like swamps everywhere and people couldn't develop on it so it was very spread out yeah but we now, did like, you appreciate any of that when you oh, were young? Yeah, I you ran did? around in the woods so much. I did was you? Also, okay, this will until I was well into until maybe like sixteen. I was the kid running around fighting trees with sticks. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> running through the woods in Pennsylvania. The place in Dingman's Ferry, the mountainous areas there like are where icebergs just dumped all of their rock do you know about this phenomenon so like no. it is full of rock there's just rock so we had a wooded like boulders boulders and smaller sh- slate shale and shit and like okay so it's just like trees and rocks <laughs> really yes all right um, i know i know like that mid-atlantic is is really nice like forest because it doesn't completely freeze for as long as it does up here a word and and it's like i know like maryland like driving through maryland you get like the you start to get like the vines and the trees and all of that stuff and like yeah i don't know i think we're a little north kind of non sequitur but no it's nice nature <laughs> it, 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 i so yeah totally appreciated growing up in nature and you did waterfalls and places to hike Okay. Much I appreciated it much more once I started smoking weed in high school. <laughs> when did that happen? Seventeen ish. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then did that become identity? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Then I was sort of like with the druggy kids who sure. were smoking cigs, yes. But if you were already kind of leaning into like that hardcore too cool for school kind of vibe. Yeah, it's it was definitely the way you were going anyway. Yeah, one might have predicted that I would end up smoking <laughs> cigarettes at 17 in sixth grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had, had that Probably angst. bet on it. I did. Yeah. For whatever reason, coming from a relatively like middle class privilege, my parents are incredible parents, like parenty parents, like yeah, a little hippie-ish, but also like careerist. Did it, I don't know we didn't want for anything like, yeah uh, but were they they held stock in in education oh for sure yeah and, and house they homeschooled my brother and sister wow 
once they had a third, they were kind of. Are you the youngest? I'm the youngest of three. Okay. Yeah. Oh, all um, right. Once I came around, it was like too much. They were getting burnt out on the homeschool group they were with and shit. I can only but imagine. But they are like, yeah. My, um, neither of them, well, my mom has a college degree now, but neither of them at the time were college graduates. My my dad went to a free school in the 70s. That's really cool and interesting. Really? Which is like, so like my grandfather is a philosophy professor of like 50 years and he in the 70s sent his kids to a free like an experimental free school where the the kids were like there were like no there were no structured classes and the kids decided what they wanted to learn essentially oh i had no idea what you meant when you said free school that's what a free school is (laughs) what so like it's hard to explain because the concept doesn't i mean i think there still are kind of schools that uh like isn't a montessori school like very hands-on and the teachers kind of just there's no like I don't know. beginning and ending to classes. I don't know. My dad learned math. Public education in Massachusetts. <laughs> I don't know any of these yeah. things. <laughs> this was happening in the 70s. <laughs> Intellectuals like my grandfather were like, let's, you know, be revolutionaries and not subject our kids to the man. Yeah. So we're going to have free school. And it was like an experiment that my 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 dad will tell you was like too much freedom for kids. Really? <laughs> Uh, he he won the Narc of the Year award. I I find it fascinating. Because, <laughs> he wasn't into it. He wasn't he wasn't drinking well, the Kool Aid. Not unlike me, he rebelled against his surroundings. You know uh, what yes. I mean? And yes. his surroundings were preschool te- teachers smoking weed with the kids. Like <laughs> at a meeting of in this school, there was a big controversy because they wanted to ban alcohol. <laughs> There's really? a, no drinking. Kids can't drink. We're gonna get like we're barely like an accredited thing as it is we can't have alcohol and like the teachers were like this is fucking fascism like <laughs> how dare you take it? this is bullshit i'm out if we if we can't have beer if so, i can't give these kids beer <laughs> this is a funny funny thing that happened but okay um, all right so that was my that is my dad he was pulling up people's pot plants and really it was very anti-drug like saw it destroy people and saw like people who should have been revolutionaries sort of squander that freedom in the 70s that is a very common story really yeah that a lot of people see the 70s as a very dark time because it was uh there were you know um people squandering their talents Okay. To, to, yeah. to, to drop out, you know, it, to, you right. know, tune in and drop out yeah. just became drop out mm-hmm. and, and, and people like your father saw through it. Yeah. I, I think it was, I think it wasn't the popular opinion, but it was, uh, it was a, an opinion that I've, I have heard before because I'm in, I'm into like Grateful Dead. And so oh, I, yeah. I do, I am a kind of a student of, you know, the sixties and seventies. Mm-hmm. And it just the what the, the what I gather is that the seventies just tried to re just tried to relive the magic that happened in like sixty seven, sixty eight, sixty nine. But the seventies really were, you know, the culture had jumped the shark. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't it wasn't really it wasn't free love and and, and, and you know, it wasn't that free and yeah. open and communal society like everybody thinks it was it was kind of a dark time to live 
Right. Where like that. Kind of like people started coming down. People started realizing that their sustainable farm wasn't going to make it. And it was a lot of work. <laughs> and like and the heroin hit. <laughs> and, yeah, and the heroin. True. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Because or what a, uh, following the rights movement, you clamped down with your iron fist. Drugs became conveniently available for all the kids. Do you know the prison song by no. System of a Down? <laughs> no, no. They, they cover this. Really? That song is just infinitely accurate and like applicable and salient topical always yeah um but anyway so yeah, that's what it reminded me of it's that. strange that like i do you know the grateful dead is exactly what i'm saying was bad about the 70s <laughs> <laughs> just you know? a drug culture of grifter types just going town to town yeah like, pretty much yeah. you know <laughs> and, and it was like yes it is very freeing and the music is tapped into something that's mm -hmm. real and yeah. has a Fucking genuine message. Um, but the culture around it definitely became distorted quickly. Right. Um, That's isn't that wild? Why this is why we can't have nice things like as a species. It really it's is. Like because we could have this is somebody another another line that comes to mind that somebody else said that I can't remember who said, but like that the we this like the seventies was a time where we could have had free love and the 80s like we realized that we chose uh the shopping channel instead yeah we chose like, malls yeah yeah that's sad that we humans yeah. went through that instead arc. of instead of <laughs> instead of you know uh parks to picnic in we chose right we chose malls and, and orange julius <laughs> kerouac would be sad it, like yes the, you know yes yeah 100 percent. this is it seems like every time i do hallucinogens this message comes through too like like this should this i want like this is transcendent but the the infrastructure doesn't exist to support this like mindset like no i will be i i will be persecuted for being this radically open and happy right now like i will that's how it feels you know there's always a moment yes where the world tries to kind of crash into the trip and yes. it's like all too real <laughs> yes that that uh i don't know my anxiety spread into that wholly for like the last couple of years the last couple of years i i took hallucinogens mm -hmm. uh my uh my anxieties uh rode on the fact that uh i i will be literally destroyed for having this much fun <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know right. but I, I spent years i talk about it actually and and uh but i spent years thinking just that the world was out to get me mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. that i was being hunted and and persecuted and and was going to be wiped out for the greater good of humanity <laughs> what what about <laughs> you was a plague to the oh i'm the second coming oh, oh. <laughs> i see well, that's yeah. Quite I literally, I'm Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it it it, <laughs> it feels like entheogens, right? De inspiring the divine within, yeah. as they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you do feel like you're a walking enlightened Buddha. I just <laughs> felt, you know, yeah. You just got you get to this point. I just got to this point where I was feeling so synchronized, just so in tune, in in the right moment that I'm meant to be in. That it, yeah, I was too young. I got to my head, went to my head. Yeah, I've witnessed this. 
this happened to so many of my friends. Yeah. Yes. Like I, I kind of wish too much. There I wish I waited much. until I was like 30, you know, until I had some maturity to wrap my head around these things. Yeah. Yeah. When did those start to take place? The hallucinogens? Oh, I started in your twenties. Uh, yeah. Well, no earlier, like seven. I it, tripped when I was like 17, 18. In high school still. Yeah. Okay. Mushrooms. Okay. And like MDMA, that's a hallucinogen, right? Kind of. No. It's not kind of yeah. I think I think what, I think I think I think a lot of what we thought was MDMA was meth. Oh yeah. Oh for sure. I've definitely done some pills that were not MDMA. <laughs> yes. yes. No. Oh my god. I know people who. Oh my god. Yeah. No oh, stories. I think so a lot of it stories. was you know biker speed that for we were sure. rubbing Just in our whatever cums. they could. <laughs> Just glass. Pr- fucking press into a pill they were fucking selling. Yeah. You were taking, you were the double stacks, the, the printed stuff, the dolphins the and stacks, the, the double blue diamond, triple yeah, yeah. red star. <laughs> yeah. Whatever the fuck. Yes. How old are you? Are we the exact of. same age? Because that's. <laughs> I'm 20. I'm going to be 29 in April. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm 33. So I'm a few Damn. years older than you. So, right. so the fact that, well, maybe because you were a little rural because we, I started to see the end of that Yeah, in college, but yeah, the orange supermans and the boot dolphins and the, this yeah. and that and that and this, and, and it was just all <laughs> dirty cocktails. Just, yeah who knows what was, yeah. it was everyone always you know that was always the rumor too like that would go around it's like all oh, this stuff scott either meth or piperzine piper some crazy shit well, all of those things spurred this whole um this whole movement to test your drugs yeah which is great harm reduction awesome. yeah 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 the, that bu- has been, the bunk police you know i really one thing that i'm out of the whole drug culture i was always especially in college later adjacent to the kind of grateful dead fish uh rave uh music festival scene yeah like a lot of my friends moved in that sort of like group but i didn't i was too broke to like be going to a festival and worked full time so i was like not but i loved music i'd jam with people and like uh did you play those music? are my people you know i i played drums yeah play drums okay. yeah did um, you own a set i did i had an okay. electric kit and yeah my it was the those are the best days of jamming like, yes in college oh my god so great um, yeah that was the peak of my talent i don't have a kid now like just be too loud to keep in a, a it's the hardest instrument to play <laughs> yeah yeah um so i'm rusty as fuck i want to go to sun tiki and rent it but i yeah. regret never going to the the festivals and to the the like i went to a fish show once and stood still as a statue just geeked out of my mind on acid that was like ridiculously strong yeah i took too much of yep that's a waste but at yeah. these festivals like there is a bit of a culture and this harm reduction movement uh was born in those born was yeah born in, in that, that yeah. scene and a lot of i think i have a funny story comes from there but, i yeah. have a funny story so i got into festivals a little bit later mm-hmm. but i got into them through working at them because i'm an audio engineer hell yeah and so um and so i actually it ties into exactly what you're saying i um it was it was at the height of my use where I'm taking where I I have a constant I have a constant stream of benzos just mm-hmm. in my system all the time mm-hmm. so I really wasn't stressing I wasn't stressing much at this point right I, yeah I was taking like five six milligrams of of you know Klonopin or Xanax a day 
And so um, I go to work this festival in Pennsylvania, actually. Um, and it was on this like guy's private land. And so it was like, it was actually one of the best festivals I've ever been to. It was small. It was like 2000 people, maybe like 1500 people, really small. Mountain gym? No, it was oh. called, it was called Luna light. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was like, uh, 2014. Oh, I wouldn't have. Yeah. Mountain gym yeah. was like way out in the, uh, is that PA though? I feel like that's one that might be Scranton. PA Scranton is on it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, peach fest. And then they just moved Bisco to, um, Montauk mountain in Scranton. They've been doing that. Peach fest has been there for cool. like the past six, seven years. That's where Montauk I think is where I went to 2010 warp tour. The only real live music experience of my life. Really? Yeah. I went to all I, I in eighth grade, all the way through high school. I went to all the warp tours. Dope. Yeah. Dope. We would have totally been <laughs> like, if we grew up together, Yeah, we would have, we would have hung out every day per, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So were you, were you into the, the hardcore, the death core? I wasn't, but my friends definitely were for sure. Yeah. Went through a heavy deathcore phase. I well. stayed pretty light. I was into like, I went from like, you know, uh, Green Day, Blink-182, a little bit of like harder stuff like Dead Kennedys, but like no effects. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I love you, all this you stuff. Know, Bad yeah. Religion. Um, I still love all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. I actually got to work with Bad Religion recently. What? Yeah. That dude is so cool. The lead singer's so cool. like a professor at Dartmouth, isn't he? He's yeah. like They such were a the guys. They were yeah. the guys that like, they, he, they're doing it right. Fuck yeah. You know, they're like sticking it to the man with education and like with actually knowing what they're talking about. And they're not just a bunch of angsty teenage kids fucking running yeah. around high on math. See, I discovered Bad Religion late. I feel like that would have been good for me in, in my youth. So <laughs> I, I got really turned on to like Geffen Records. I don't know Like that. out of like South, South, South. So I was always, I was a musician and I like, I idolized musicians. I like followed the record labels and, and like, and, and, and then Warp Tour. And like, I went to warp, my first Warp Tour in like eighth grade and went to like all the Warp Tours that were in my, uh, for, for five years in a row, I went to, you know, I went to all of them. Um, and that was like what I really want to do. I, th I started throwing, I, the first show I produced was in my, uh, was in my driveway when I was Damn. 15 years old, you know, it's That's like, awesome. yeah. And, and, and we used to do stuff like in my yard in the middle of the day when we wouldn't get in trouble for it, you know, just have like 10 friends over and play music together. And you know, yeah. I was doing that in high school. And then, uh, and then, you know, the drugs came and then we couldn't, you know, do what we wanted to do in public anymore yeah. and had to hide. Um, throwing shows at 15, you've always been the man with the plan. Always, always been producing. Yeah, I just, I have ideas and I see them through. I've never been the guy, I've never been the guy at the end of the night that's uh, coming up with these fantastical plans that everybody knows is not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. That just seems so boring and like a waste of time to me. Like, let's talk about what's actually, let's talk about breakfast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, let's Indeed. talk, like, we, we can't talk about tomorrow because we know we're not going to be hanging out tomorrow. Let's talk about uh, what's in, what's happening in the next hour and then I'm going to go to bed. Yeah, <laughs> you like know, like and, and tell jokes. Yep. Um, but uh, so after that, after high school, I did get into that whole jam scene, fish scene. Um, 
and and through you know through working festivals through working with bands i were i got into this band i started doing audio engineering for this one specific band that was very heavily influenced by uh, lcd sound system uh they were like this really kind of aggressive like dance rock mm-hmm. uh they were fantastic they were called color channel and so and that and i really kind of hit it off with the drummer and he got me into fish and so i go to fish and it's actually and so i go i i'm and through that i kind of really leveled up my audio engineering career through working with that band because then their manager was production manager on a few of these different festivals and so he started hiring me to work for, for these different festivals around the northeast in maryland pennsylvania um and so i get hired to work this this festival in pennsylvania and fish was playing the man in philly the night before i was supposed to be there to set up nice and so i go down and i have uh this this is going to tie back into the bunk police and just to get us back on track and so and so i go i i have the quintessential fish experience where like we didn't have any acid we found some acid on lot i i like i like snuck in a bunch of benzos like rolled up in my sleeves like just like and and we were just hammering ketamine like it was like we were getting paid for it and uh and so and it was one of those experiences where it's like where they tell you like fish is going to like tear you down and rebuild you in their image. <laughs> yes. It was that. <laughs> and I'm still not convinced I'm not going to one day snap out of a K hole at that after party. <laughs> yeah. Like this whole life I've been living. I totally understand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now Trey looked me in the eyes and sang, Oh, Caspian to me. I get it. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> yes. I get yes. It. Yes. It was that. And so, uh, and then, the next day I go to set this festival up and I'm still, and I just roll in. So now, now fish like set me up for a bender and I just roll through this festival on a bender, but I get there, I, I get there and I'm hot to trot. I'm having a good time. I'm ready to throw a party. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I get, and we like park our cars and we kind of hang out. Like it was the day before and it was the day before even the equipment got there. You know, the equipment was showing up in the morning. So I get there and we're just kind of tailgating. And I uh, and it was as Bunk Police was like starting to take hold in the scene, like people were kind of trying to be aware of what they were ingesting. And uh, and. And I'm I'm partying, I'm having a good time, you know, I'm I'm a little loud, like when I was partying, I was loud guy. I was I was definitely a loud guy, you know, stir the pot. Let's get this thing fucking going. Let's have a good time. And uh and so I'm doing that and we're tailgating and we got a few cars going, a few cars together and we're all hanging out and I'm eating, I'm eating this bag of Molly and I go to offer it. I'm like, do you want some of this Molly that I'm eating? I'm having a good time on it. She's like, uh, it was a couple and she's like, do you mind if I test some? Yeah, go for it. Test it. She's like, this is meth. <laughs> I'm like, well, do you want some meth? Cause it's what I'm doing. <laughs> and (laughs) yeah yeah i'm having a good time so uh yeah say no if you want to say no but you're not changing my mind and then i went on to that weekend uh i went on that weekend to drink um 
a a drink and pass around, but a a liter of Jim Beam every day of that festival. All while mixing the B stage, you know? Yeah. That's that's a beautiful thing. That was the height. Respect. That was the height. Now, I do regret not being in the festivals as as much as I could have been back in the day or wanted to be or didn't I didn't want to be. What am I trying to say? It Maybe wasn't, I wouldn't have been able to hang is it, what I'm trying to say. I think you would have been. I think you would have been. Um, it wasn't long after that that it all turned on me. Yeah, indeed. That I was like this, like, and I started to think that festivals were like arranged to attract me there, to lure me there, to sacrifice me for the greater good of humanity. Uh, like the whole thing, like a bill was put together. They were spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to put this show on just to lure me there and burn me in my tent. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where the line has to be drawn, right? <laughs> that's where, you know, or eventually yeah, we're talk- talking about lines. You realize <laughs> that that, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's intense. So, um, how, how did you, uh, get beyond that point where, how did you come I, back from the edge? I stopped eating acid and stopped Indeed. smoking weed. Indeed. And just I did recently, pills and powders. <laughs> just just keep it to the stuff a pharmacist might hand you. Yes. For years. For like the right. last, like I, I'm sober now, but for the last six, seven years, it was just, it was pretty much just pills and powders. Indeed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't know for whatever. I just couldn't, I couldn't hang with the trippy stuff anymore. Yeah. Not. Except for ketamine. Ketamine is always a good time. Yeah. If you haven't it's tried a, ketamine, I suggest It's on it. my list of things that I would still do. I, I'm like sober right now, but not like straight edge, not principally, not like. I'm not here to judge. Trying to be sober. Well, like yeah. you say sober and I think people get the idea that you're like maybe NA or AA or you're, and you're like. Yeah, I'm not, say, you're not supposed to say it, but. I'm, I am not. I'm, but I've made the decision that like weed's just not something I can handle. Really? And uh what I, led you there? Now I'm on uh meds that would ca- that would make tripping like not as fun. I've read Okay. Um, I I will experiment with that in the future. We'll see. Yeah. Um but yeah, I just had it covid like spending weed is oddly like a problematic uh addiction for me and there's no moderation with it. For really? Me. And it anxiety like almost to the sort of persecutorial hallucination level you're describing yeah like anxiety to that level and also uh total lack of motivation depression um so i just had to i just had to stop i was spending like a hundred dollars a day on hash oil like that's too much money yeah that's way too much fucking money it was like my income stopping that and vaping i'm i'm like rich now it's ridiculous <laughs> I it's know, ridiculous right? that I have the money that I have to like do things that are yeah yeah useful. yeah that's why I'm able to do any of this is because, yeah. is because I you know I'm just in I'm investing that time energy and money in 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 more more productive and constructive ways right yeah yeah com- um, comedy was almost an anti-drug for me but because weed is so prevalent and everyone's like oh it's like legal and medicine I think that, yeah, that tor- that took me down, took me down. I went through a phase, I like decided that I needed to be able to perform uh, high. So I like destroyed my tolerance. I'd like 
to the point where I took a 420 milligram edible and tried to perform like... So that's how you like to push your limits. (laughs) You like to see how, how out yet in control you could be and still entertain. Yeah, it's maybe it's a limits thing. I think also I just had to kind of confront my anxiety and yeah. like calm down and the weed it makes you although it's a it's a eventually there's diminishing returns and eventually there's like a negative feedback loop with the weed. Yeah. It does make, you know, euphoria feels good. Like there's bliss too. I'm jealous of people who can tolerate weed. I yeah. wish I could. What ex- exactly how I feel? Yes, yeah. I wish that I could. It's a whole lot of fun, and for some people, it's totally medicine. But for me, is poison. <laughs> for me, is a bad idea. To, yeah, to do it even one time, and uh, that's how I got when I was like 26. Because because yeah. kind of after all that party, um, or like kind of in the middle of all that party stuff. I got I got hooked on the benzos mm-hmm. and it was like I couldn't you know the weed wasn't doing it the weed was giving the, me a panic attack the, okay maybe this is related so when I what let's see it's been like four months now four months ago was when I was like no more weed I got myself in therapy uh and like two months ago I started antidepressants and SSRI so um this is related though right before that sort of rock bottom moment where i was like i need to fucking not do this anymore yeah i had been taking uh these nootropics that you can get on nootropics depot i know what you're talking about so yeah and there's there's, the racetams are in they're very they're molecules that are very similar to benzos yeah okay that are not really regulated so you can just sort of get them and they help your memory they make you feel good so i was doing like a fucking regimen of this, like all these different fucking molecules, nuopept, uh, triacetylurodine, yeah, uh, anaracetam, paracetam, all these different benzo-related things. Really? And it makes you feel amazing and on it and very verbally fluent and like put together Yeah. until it doesn't. And it's very much dependency, dependency It's a fine forming. line, yeah. Yeah, and I think the interaction of those things with the weed it was no good. I, also, I you're supposed to titrate, like, um, a taper off of them. Yes, and I l- lost them all on a plane when I was coming back from California several months ago. Really, I and didn't and you have just money at the time and just stopped. Oof, and it was rough. It was really rough. And you feel like that's when the weed took a turn. Well, I feel like the weed was. Already, already problematic already and taking a turn. Way. Yeah. And that just was like not, weed's not. When it hit you in the face. It really hit me in the face that weed was not helping my situation. Yeah. Like it was, I've had plenty of depressive episodes in my life, like felt lack of motivation, kind of down on myself. But this was what like, was like grief, like painful depression. Like, wow. And also lots of ideation of bad self-harm stuff. Like, really? Which I've never, I mean, I've had suicidal ideation in my life. I was a philosophy major. I think about death a lot, (laughs) but not like that. It was really bad. It It was so bad. It got really scary. And this was recently. Yeah. I mean, it was COVID related too. I was like very isolated from people as well and didn't, and I lost, I think I went through 
comedy withdrawal. I was getting yeah. up a lot of time, you know, like I, multiple times a week. Yeah. I was getting that big rush. And you started ho- and you started hosting stuff like you really hosting, started taking off. Yeah. It, had, it was I was just hitting a stride. Yeah. And getting like like a half an hour of like or more of time wow like every week wow you know what i mean yeah and and you started like, to, to you started to uh, what it sounds like is you started to feel like you had a routine you were you were you were coming into your sure. voice yeah for sure it was on the cusp yeah and then it was you know taken away so it felt it, yeah i still miss it horribly of course but like yeah. i think i underestimated the effect that had on my like my physiology like you're on your brain chemistry yeah like yeah. I was not laughing, you know. Yeah, we had that show in our driveway. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when I noticed. Like really? I was like, "Holy shit, I feel great!" Wow. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, that's medicine. Laughter is medicine. Yeah, I need that. Weed's not a replacement. <laughs> Nootropic drugs are not a replacement. Sorry, Joe Rogan. <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just tried, joking, Joe. I tried some of the true brain stuff, like the pouches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, when when I changed jobs because I really need to like hunker down and I didn't want to do Adderall, you know. I like sure. I wasn't trying to be sober by any means, but I didn't For want. Sure. You know, I was I was prescribed Adderall as early as in like high school, and so it's like I just kind of over that, and uh, and uh, I took some of the 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 kind of upper true brain stuff that comes in like this liquid form pouch i liked it Mm -hmm. but i could feel it you know being a drug addict you you know that feeling you know of like oh (laughs) this is this is real (laughs) you know you can feel the firing in your brain for sure uh but um okay so what was college like you said you went to new york yeah suny albany with my wife at the time i was married you were married i was married got married at 18 wow (laughs) to Uh, high school sweetheart kind of thing kind of thing yeah were you kind of were you guys together for a while in high school or just Uh, the last couple years yeah for a little while well and we got married i think she was in her last year of high school (laughs) when we got married and i had just graduated the year before wow um yeah uh Sue yeah. New York is a good school, though. Uh, SUNY Albany is so, decent I mean, SUNY state school. Albany, yeah, 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 it is. It's yeah. sort of a University not of quite New York. a new pulse, not quite a not quite a purchase, but it, it's it's good. It's maybe yeah one of the better SUNYs. It's also, a state school, friggin' diverse. Like, is it like uh, in many ways? So liberal. <laughs> well, yeah, very well. Yeah, New Yorkish liberal. Yeah, and um. Is that where you kind of became, is that where your political, you know, brain became activated? That's interesting. When, I guess, when did I get politicized? Well, I was kind of raised by very politicized people. So I don't know, but. Because we're gonna uh, we're gonna hear. Occupy happened. We're gonna. Oh, Occupy happened. Because we're gonna hear a lot about your your politics and your job in Tim's show, A yeah, Better yeah, yeah. Tomorrow. But I want to kind of, how did you get there, you know? So, so through yeah, Occupy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Occupy definitely was a big sort of reckoning for me, for sure. Yeah. We slept in a park in Albany for three days and like, there really? was, we did the Albany 
chapter thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember that. I was in college for that too. Word. Yeah. yeah. I was, it was like the first year I was in Albany, I think probably. Really? But, um, so you were primed. You were ready. I was ready. Ready and to be radicalized. I, I was, I, I sort of like thought of myself as a radical already. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, because I was listening to Choking Victim and like yeah. Leftover Crack. <laughs> I thought <laughs> that was super radical. Uh, See, by that time I had, I, I was going the other way. I was into like Modest Mouse and, uh, and like getting more into like uh, indie rock, like the Alston. I lived, I was living in Alston, Boston, which is like a hip, hip borough of Boston. Okay. And, uh, and I was, I was completely detached from politics or the news or current events or anything like that. I was just playing, playing music yeah. and party. You know? I mean, for sure, at least in my like, personal underinformed philosophy i felt like i was a radical i don't know that i was in, in coming out of high a school a lot of attention yeah and i was always uh, my parents are like super liberal and uh my my grandparents are like they're like hippies my dad went to a free school like yeah yeah i knew where my values were i was raised in the left like yes my grandfather is was the uh the like faculty supervisor of their chapter of students for a democratic society like uh and the fbi definitely had like a weatherman file on my my dad's family like really for sure my grandmother's brothers dodged the draft they live in canada still like wow peace and love you know cool was the thing so and just being a queer kid in <laughs> in rural Pennsylvania also did you sets recognize you apart. that young? Oh, for sure. Really? Yeah. I well, I think I would have called. I was. Calling it wasn't myself called bi. that. Yo, you were. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I wouldn't have described myself then as non-binary, which I would now. Okay. I was. I I I really loved Eddie Izzard. My first yeah, favorite yeah. comic was Eddie Izzard. Yeah. So I was wearing like had a purse wearing. Like not makeup, but nail polish, girl pants, girl clothes. He was getting airtime. He oh, was, for sure. Yeah. And my family just loved Eddie Izzard. So it was like also the family aspect. That's uh, interesting. But yeah, Dress to Kill, my favorite special to this day. Okay. So I I identified very much with the transvestite thing. Okay. And like knew that I, which now in the language that we have today, I would call queer in some whatever the fuck umbrella terminology people need to sort of zoom in on. But yeah, I knew that I was not straight. Okay. (laughs) For a while I had a bit about just identifying as not straight. Like if people ask if you're gay, my, my reply was, well, I'm not straight. That, that used to fly, but I feel like very recently people like want to be hip to some fucking lexicon that, me a queer person needs to like read up on so i feel like there's these hetero people and like cis hetero people coming at me with terminology expecting me to know (laughs) so like i feel invalidated as a person who's literally experiencing a non-binary gender people are coming at me like well but are you this that and that and i'm like i don't fucking know that's the crazy thing about this whole movement this whole you know what what you're speaking on is that it's the people who aren't identifying with it 
that are defining it for some reason. Yeah, in some cases, I see what you mean. Yeah, that's how I feel and very I'm not, often. I feel and I'm like not trying to rail against anything. Right, right, right. You know, yeah, I, I don't want to be taken that way either of like railing against, but I, I we just, should in some way I think that rail the, against that. I think, I think what needs to be pushed back is that let people speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. Like let, if, if somebody's going to be outraged about something that somebody says about a specific sect of human, yeah. let that human respond and not let these, these, these rubberneckers, you, you know, know you get out in front knighting. of it. There's a lot of white knighting that yeah. happens for sure. People want to be, there's a lot of self-righteousness Yeah, and yeah, I like we shouldn't ignore the influence of social media in that aspect of it because like that's where that shit fl- like and th- breeds and that it is flies. The, it really is the only place you see it for sure. It doesn't really exist in the yeah, real between world between people. That's the thing between interpersonally you'll just you a, and I. You'll see it in a comedy club a little bit. You'll see it in a crowd. Oh a yeah, a little oh, bit. Yeah, yeah. You um, see, but you see the humanity of a crowd. Mm. <laughs> I miss it so much. I know. I know. You'll see that, but like my cousin is fucking bad ever, blah, blah, blah. It's like, but if your cousin was here, they'd probably be laughing, <laughs> you know? Right. And well, so, you, and, yeah. and, and it's like, it's, that's what turns people off about that whole thing. And I, and just it's one of those aspects for sure, just you approaching it the way that you did almost validates that because you're like, yeah. I want to laugh and I want to like, it's all I'm, hilarious, right? Yeah. Like, I'm never not in on the joke, you know, I get that. I get like the power dynamics that are at play, but like, let us imagine a perfect world where <laughs> we would all be laughing. That's not maybe the one that we live in. So there are sometimes moments where it's like the, the laughter is very vicious. Like there is and. There is an ugly kind of laughter, but I really think that it's maybe a better strategy, like coping wise for people to navigate this world with a lot more laughter and levity and like, I want to take ourselves out of the mainstream version of this conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. and into the localized version of this conversation. Cause okay, that okay. mainstream version it. of the conversation really has nothing to do with us. And it really has nothing and like I this. Think- it's yeah it's circuitous and people are kind of sick of having it and it's like it's becoming a self-aware dialogue that it's like self-referential at this point like we, yeah we we understand that there are reactive people on either side now i yes. think we need to kind of embrace that and like if you're if you're a woke person who still doesn't accept who's that, still overreacting it's like yeah you're that's that's bad. Now we're all about like having the hard conversation, doing the work, like, uh, but still there are people who are like, we can't do bipartisanship. When you start talking politics, it gets tricky because like we have a two party system and a bicameral body of legislators. That's where it get (laughs) when it gets wrapped up into politics, Mm -hmm. that's where it becomes tricky in general. Yeah. Because politics. Between people, I think we are, I think a lot and and like what does that even mean because like you're gonna because right by and large in a liberal town in my little bubble it's totally irrelevant to me right yeah people are 
evolving quickly. Maybe that's because we all have social media though, right? Isn't that weird? That kind of like... Well, it's also because we all really just want to get along. Yeah. And we want to like, like the people who we see on the street every day. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. I don't know. Some people I think want a reason to carry themselves above everyone else and hate on the ignorant masses. I think people like to do that. There's an impulse in people, even good people to kind of think very little of people and to be kind of misanthropic, even though they'll say that they love everything and they love humanity. Yeah. You know, like it's tough. And and we're talking also, we're talking about language. Like we are. Yeah. And people do not. How did we get here? Um, (laughs) So language is, it's incredibly hard to talk about. Yeah. So we got here from you identifying as not straight. Yeah. As far back as you can kind of remember identifying yourself sexual, sexually. Yeah. I've always been a, two on the Kinsey scale. And I've always, uh, until very recently, I didn't recognize this, but I've always been a gender variant person. Like, okay. I, I, now I that, don't come off that way to people often, but. I'm, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's okay. It's not a conversation we would have. Right. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's not even something I'm interested I'm, in. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm a, it's like, I would say I'm a non-binary dude, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I just, you, you, although no, I don't like that because it's kind of gendering, dude. But but that's kind of the point because dude's only kind of gendered, like me. Yeah, I like it. I changed my mind twice in that sentence. Dude, I like it. Dude is dude. I feel like dude is is um is open ended. Right. Like, dude, what's up, dude? I I mean, I I use dude for everything and everyone. Yeah, all I the use time, man. Dude. I use man yeah, so much. Yeah, man is gender neutral. <laughs> Come on, man is come on, man. Neutral. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I was queer in high school. So you, yeah, so <laughs> still am. So, so I knew I was queer then. You knew you were queer then. Yeah, but it it was it wasn't queer. It was it was not straight. It was not straight. It was bi. Yeah, and it then it didn't matter because I was monogamous with a girl. You a got girl, married uh, at eighteen. Wow. Yeah. Um divorced at 21 but it's but were it's you guys a happy ma- story because she got a green card <laughs> what that came out of left field yeah well it was still a heartbreak and it was still like a genuine breakup and marriage but it was uh so was, where was good, she where is she canadian uh brazilian brazilian yeah okay brasileira it was uh and you guys met in high school yep and she was, what, an exchange student? <laughs> no, she uh, came to the country, her uh, an overstate a visa, but was brought to the country as a minor at, at like f- six years old, I think. Okay. And her, and then I said they were going to Disney World and just uh, stayed. Her mom worked in the city, then moved to PA, commuted to work in Jersey for a while, so... She grew up in Pennsylvania and uh, and New Jersey. Yeah. But uh, then we met. She was my best friend's girlfriend and he treated her horribly. So, uh, yeah. Uh, wow. We became high school sweethearts for a minute and 
her home life was kind of like whack and really crazy and she must lived have been with tense. us she moved into my house like we lived with my parents really for her last year of high school wow and i well i was going to college commuting to college an hour and a half away in madison new jersey so you guys weren't living together in your parents house you had no, already did. moved out oh. no we did for a year i had a live-in oh. girlfriend at 18 well fiance wow. my parents are pretty cool they were pretty cool <laughs> that's a little funny because i had not the same but similar situation is that i i had this girlfriend all through all through high school first we started we started seeing each other in middle school and uh her parents at first, she they said that she was too young to date, and then we just never stopped hanging out because we were like, "Well, no," and then it turned into them hating me for that <laughs> and forbidding her to see me, and of course, that makes it you know much more engaging. Yep. <laughs> and then by the time you know we were in high school, I think it was junior year, she got kicked out for still seeing me. This oh, is wow. three years later. Wow. Four years later, four years later, she's kicked out of her house for seeing me. Wow! And lived and lived with me, and that's what finally broke us apart. That's what finally broke us up. Was living <laughs> in my cohabitation. Yeah, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, yeah. It was traumatic for me. Oh, I'm sure. The first yeah. couple of breakups are hard. The first one's pretty damn hard, but like, well, because she started hard. seeing somebody while she was living in my house. Oh, that's really rough. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I was, this is remarkably similar to my situation and the trauma that it left me with because it was best friend's girl. He treated her bad and then we became a thing. And then we moved out, lived together in Albany, in Schenectady actually, while I was going to school. And then later in Albany and my best friend, another best friend of mine moved in with us along with a, a whole flop house scenario of people and in college. And then they ended up being a thing so it was like so she friend to friend wow and uh that was very traumatic yeah very yeah, traumatic. Very i was tra also just so the one worth leaving you know what i mean i was just shitty caleb at the time like i was like not fully formed adult yet you know i was yeah and like i'm not for now a variety of reasons yeah <laughs> like she i mean she made a good uh move there <laughs> like she did a good women good are thing generally <laughs> more advanced and smarter than young men oh are for sure for sure anyway oh 100 percent. Yeah. yeah she was precocious and like brilliant and a, yeah yeah like, uh yeah so for, for, but it was I traumatic was not, for you oh yeah First because real to lose depression. to lose your love to a friend when you were well, you guys were married sense of betrayal yeah there wow. was a real, really, I really was super into monogamy at the time and like uh, thought that we were going to be together, you know, forever, grow together for a long time. And wow. And it broke down really fast. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it is, it's traumatic. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, That's a lot. I mean, and then while you're in school, so. Yeah, I dropped out for a you semester. Did. That yeah. was going to be my question, yeah. I When I entered college, I was on track at SUNY Albany to get a master's degree in three years. And I ended up taking five years to get a bachelor's degree. 
Yeah. So that's how that went. <laughs> I for, also took five years to get my bachelor's. Word. Yeah. I'm learning we are so much <laughs> more similar than like, I ever thought. Yeah. But fucking, uh, was it? Yeah. Like five, five years. It took my time. I recommend people do that. Just like, yeah. don't, don't stress. Don't kill yourself. I had a great time. Yeah. I, I had a wonderful time. I learned how to party. Did a ton of drugs. Yeah. Did a yeah. lot of partying. Got it out of my system mostly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of experiences. A lot of playing music. Yeah. Like just jamming. So when you. So great. And I worked full time. That was also, if anything, like. You yeah. worked full time. Yeah. Well, yeah. Do yeah, you. Like 35, 33 hours a week. Yeah. What, what do you accredit that to giving you in the after? Just, oh yeah. It was just so valuable. I think. Was it? Real world work experience. Like, I feel like working the, like working in the kitchen, working at a target. I feel like. Um, this is a line from the general manager of El Loco Mexican Cafe. She always used to say, and she's very right, that instead of like two years mandatory uh, military service in America, you should have two years mandatory service of like... Service industry. Service industry. Yeah, like, yeah. Go be the one. Yeah, we'd have way less of the Karen thing yeah. going on if people knew the fucking hustle and the flow of a restaurant or like yeah, work, just work. I did work at a warehouse, warehouse included in that. Like, yeah. Just break your back, do labor. Yeah. I'm so glad for that experience. Much, I mean, as much, if not more than, I'm glad that I've read a, a shit ton of philosophy and, and learned about ancient Greeks. And... Well, interacting with everyday, day-to-day general human beings mm-hmm. is much more informative than anything you can get from, you know, education. Yeah, strictly. 100%. I mean, in conjunction it with, serves you more, unless you're really hell bent on a career path early. And like, why at 18 do you know what you want to do with your life? Yeah, you fucking don't. <laughs> like, I certainly, at least I knew that I didn't at 18. And yeah, philosophy was a good way to, you know. Ridge. kind of put that off <laughs> yeah you know there was a, an actual study that uh philosophy majors are the most likely major to have experimented with hard drugs really <laughs> yes it makes so much sense <laughs> but um where was it what was it how uh, did how hard work. of drugs did you experiment with oh uh i mean not hard i was living with a heroin addicted cocaine dealer upstairs and the a crack addict for a while who would bring home crack addicts from time to time and as they do an alcoholic misogynist 32 year old perpetual college student those types of vagrants who just sort of prey on girls on college campuses and have rich parents that pay for them to go to school forever yeah uh, and get are like working on their second bachelor's degree yeah <laughs> uh, that basically just fun drug dealers yeah yep and like the bodegas yeah, <laughs> yeah. and just like i don't know how like that yeah and just smoke cigs um yeah i so i lived with like an eclectic group of very eccentric people and so drug you addicts. i'm imagining with that i'm imagining more of like a like a beats life more of like <laughs> a you know just on on trying trying to find the lines of mm. acceptability mm. within, you know, culture and how you can push your limits while still being, yeah. uh, maintain a, 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 
healthy relationship with the world around you. Very well said. Yeah. It was a liminal experience, that flop house. People moving in and out all the time. Jack, the the heroin dealer, like, so just how chilling did, on the couch. All the, you know? To me, that seems like a very linear track into comedy. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is that because it seems like that's what a lot of your comedy came from, at least when I started to see you, you know, was from experiences in that house. Yeah, I did write a lot about that. I haven't done even nearly as much as I've written about it, but, um, yeah, I think when as did... you said living, trying to find, I, I was radically open. I thought of myself essentially kind of goes back to my dad in the free school, right? Like mm -hmm. I wanted, I was sort of in my head, not consciously, but I was set out to prove that uh, I wasn't going to squander the free school experience. I was going to make the most of it. Okay. But I was not in a free school. So I created an environment around myself that was like anything goes, right? Yeah. You're a crack addict. Like you're clearly addicted to heavy drugs. Yeah. Whatever. We love you. Like, come on in. We're going to talk. We're going to, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing like, study group we we would have uh like talk circle what do you whatever you call it like an informal just discussion group around yeah. the things that i was learning in in like my creative writing class and the people that were there were like <laughs> drug it, addicts and you'd be doing this these, stoner artists you'd be doing these discussion prompts yeah and <laughs> like it was great like that was that freaking sounds like fun awesome yeah. to be in an environment like that with like this that one of my very good friends at the time, Dylan, was just an, a stoner artist who maybe paid rent two months out of the like two and a half years we lived there. I don't yeah. know, like, and they and uh, we just like collected furniture off the side of the street and like you know it was a flop house. It uh, sounds beat life sort of thing. It sounds very close to the Alston existence that I lived. <laughs> Word. Yeah. Just again, just to relate it back to like we we we've lived. Uh, I I wish I was more sexually liberated than, than I am, <laughs> but um, but uh, we've lived such mirrored lives. It's 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 it it makes sense why we just kind of um, uh, uh, knee jerk accepted each other just yeah. just sur surfacely you know yeah uh, for sure but um yeah that's not oh, that alston is was especially my time there was just a neighborhood of flop houses right you know it yeah. was a neighborhood of broke college students yeah you know? it was very much a college ghetto environment that i was living in it, it, college it's ghetto a, it's amazing yeah. how uh like segregated the cities are yeah in america it's just Especially really clear example is Albany, New York. Northeast. Yeah, for sure. North, I mean. Designed that way. Yeah. It's fucked up. But the, Very much so. And it's amazing how, like, different the policing is. I remember that about my college experience. It was like walking completely fucked up out of my mind through the closed park yeah. with no fear. No. Right? Like. I've never even been approached by a police officer. <laughs> yeah. It is, it's actually, okay, so I was arrested I've at been one point in Albany, things. but it's amazing that none of the, my arrest was not drug related at all. Yeah. Is fucking hilariously tragic. Like, yes. it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. Uh, I, we, and then just the partying, like the frat 
partying like yeah yeah albany the the suny albany is notorious for their like kegs and eggs riot on (laughs) saint patty's day (laughs) it's it's a yearly riot (laughs) well they had a particular year that was like really bad oh really a few years before i was there it sounds a little like amherst where Uh, it's like college it's like college town it's like state college town but you know uh, a little in like this kind of rural secluded place but all albany's the the capital of new york you know so yeah. it is a city it is a city but it's not huge it's like pretty small city. okay so uh, i don't know and it's very much that though not just suny albany it's a college town there's rpi in troy and there's uh, saint college of saint rose there's like numerous colleges there so that's yeah boston you yeah. know i where where i went to school it was I went to the New England Institute of Art, which was this small for-profit. It was an AI for-profit just in Mm. Brookline. But, you know, there's there's BC, there's BU, there's Emerson, there's, there's, uh, you you know, uh, and and then there's there's all the other ones. There's MIT, there's Harvard, there's, you know, downtown Boston, Suffolk. You know, there's like a thousand colleges. And so it's like the whole... It makes for quite an... Quite a decadent nightlife (laughs) yeah of which is an interesting place to go through your early 20s but in alston specifically in like the rock scene you know it was like oh i pretty much just partied with kids that like bubc they kind of work their way in but pretty much just ai and berkeley you know just yeah see i've never been one too much for partying so i i guess my scene ended up being just the most accepting people ever which is that music festival hippie dopapod following crowd. i love dopapod Dope, yeah I, I just watched their live stream last night they really? just did a live stream oh, last that's night sick. yeah yeah they're yeah. really amazing I, they're my I, favorite band they like one of my you like them yeah really yeah i fucking love dopapod i didn't know that they're, they're literally my favorite band. with like one of the i think the drummer's girlfriend maybe not i don't know like yeah yeah, yeah. i was in that circle of those like, guys formed at berkeley in boston oh really yeah and they cool, played cool. like they played these they came up in this this artsy alston you know yeah party scene that Papadocio. i was a part of Papadocio, Papadocio. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, there was, it was Dopapod and Indobox were friends of that friends of ours. And, and then there's our friend's band called The Jaunty that kind of came out of that general scene too. Cool. They all kind of played the, this, uh, this, this one residency in Boston uh, out of Wonder Bar. <laughs> and that's actually where I started comedy was in the basement of that bar. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. Good connection to Dopapod. Yeah. I mentioned Dopapod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are really, really fucking good men. And they're that, my favorite band. Crew, that they're that aggressive dance, you know, and they <laughs> funk and it's like Yeah. It, yeah, they're my favorite. I, I I never partied so much, but those while they were in Boston, books, I wasn't into that. I was trying to do my own indie rock thing. Mm. And then and then it wasn't until I my last few years in Boston that I started working with color channel that got me into the festivals that I, that I started running into them. But by that time they were headlining these smaller, these smaller festivals. They played actually the second year of that Luna light that I talked about that was in Pennsylvania. The second year was down in Maryland. They, they, they were a headliner on that as, nice. as well. Papadocio. Yeah. 
um and yeah. then and they they played um this uh disc jam disc jam was uh a, a really well-known one but they were kind of disc jam was kind of the black hat to like the crew that i was in who mm-hmm. threw this who threw this festival called camp Coldbrook. Hmm. um but yeah that's throwback throw all the way back yeah throwing it all the you way you were part of that scene we would have hung out in college yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, that, if you were in albany yes I guess. or yeah. if i were in well that's in funny Boston, because yeah. this this disc jam also came out of kind of that there they started that disc jam was in that upstate new york kind of just outside massachusetts that's where that festival started yeah and that's that's the festival that really kind of blew up dopapod that oh, and Catskill nice. Chill. Catskill Chill sounds super familiar. Yeah. 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 Those were the two festivals that really helped blow up Dopapod like level up and gain, right. gain that following. Yeah. Yeah. I know that they were well loved in Albany. Were they? Well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why. That's got to yeah. be why. Along with uh, Consider the Source. Yes. I fucking love that. I've worked, I've mixed them at that in, at that festival, Did at you? that Lunar Light Festival. Yeah. They're insanely talented. And I've seen them play Lizard Lounge in, in Cambridge uh, a few times. Yeah. I, I want to see that them band. live. Yeah. They're crazy talented. That dude can make his guitar. His double-necked, one, one is fretless and one's fretted. Yes. It's, it's wild. And That's then the bassist band. also has the bass tones... Oh, on yeah. the pedals he's, while he's do he's doing he's got the subs on his feet while he's playing the bass you know wow. like yeah they're they're next level musicians yeah they are i love that virtuoso level of like they're just... definitely one of the best bands i've gotten to mix like front of house for that's so cool that you you did that that's really awesome yeah sound but yeah so world. so they um they yeah so we we yeah we like all the same things we like a lot of the same things and that's things that i carry from my college days yeah 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 i got into it kind of just after college i i i, I lived in alston for eight years it took me five years to finish college and i hung mm-hmm. around for another few years after i was i would have been hanging around if i hadn't if it weren't for the bed bugs <laughs> that br- that made 126 western ave in albany just not a thing anymore really and that's I moved what... back in with my folks briefly and then and, how'd you get to maine uh met i re-met a friend from high school who was still living in pennsylvania okay through uh, okay cupid and then we fell in love and moved to maine okay and she was obsessed with moose <laughs> and i uh, yeah which yeah I, I like that bit. <laughs> it's just that's a real story of coming to Maine. Like, oh my God, we're gonna see Moose, uh, and then we just stayed. Wow! And I've just stayed. She now lives in Seattle, <laughs> and I uh, stayed. And you found your home here. Yeah, I found a spot. This is I want to stay here. This yeah. is a cool spot. I like yeah. Maine a it, lot. It looks good on you. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks yeah. very much. Wait, wait, how did I? Where where was I going with that? Uh, mm-hmm. Right here. We're oh, we're right. right here right now. The bed bugs. Oh, yeah, the yeah. bed bugs. Yeah, that. But um, went one twenty six. It, it generally generally that kind of um, uh, hippie esque communal existence isn't that sustainable. You know, yeah. the flop house. The flop house. It existence. was a microcosm of the free school experience that I needed to sort of have my own boundaries set. Like I realized literally like 
like like the point at which you just decide okay we have to kick chad out like literally <laughs> that is such a formative experience for me like yeah dealing with people uh, that people don't get in a dorm room like life you know what i mean i i just don't think you get that from that and like also working too yeah i mean you don't get my last couple of years in in boston uh which was i mean i got up here about six years ago uh i love it i love being part of the community here i love i feel embraced by the community here mm-hmm. um but my last couple of years in boston i mean i was living with uh in one house with six other people one house with like eight other people at one point damn yeah yeah that's just you, like you definitely learn yeah you definitely learn what you can and cannot tolerate for sure i cannot tolerate living with a human being that i am not devoted to (laughs) and then even then it's a stretch yeah yeah i can (laughs) i can sleep through a beer pong keg rager (laughs) but i draw the line at taking a swing at a drunk 19 year old or like you know what i mean yeah that there has to be lines a line I was slow to the uptake on that one. Damn. Yeah, yeah. this conver- this conver- I got to start titling episodes because this <laughs> one's this one's fucking draw me a line. Uh, there's a no the, the the there's a fish song and I step to the line. Yeah, uh, fuego. Back, oh yeah, and then, then there's also backwards down the number line. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Oh my god, though, dude, the one, the, the one fish Way show that I though. was in my life ever yeah. at, I was so geeked out on acid that I bought on lot and stood still as a statue. We was at Saratoga Springs. I know, know that, that feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. SPAC. SPAC. That's yep. what. Yes, uh, we were in the the lawn, dead center. I've never been there. I I know it's a they it's a big performance space though. Yeah, we were like outside. Yep. And there's like inside and then there's like outside it's a on pavilion the yeah kind of a thing yeah yeah and dead center staring at trey anastasia and not moving only person in the crowd at a fish show not dancing their butt off right i was and taller than the whole crowd <laughs> right i promise you i know i was on acid and feeling kind of like jesus or whatever but yeah Trey Anastasio stared at me and sang Caspian, which is like, it was you're the, so funny. You're the one guy that's not into it. And it's I was like, the one person, right? Well, you and know, you know, I guarantee you could see me, just a big fucking me, just not dancing while he was singing. And he had this smile on his face. <laughs> and at one point, I was so still the whole time that somebody behind me started poking the back of my knee. Just like trying to get to, try me to bring to you move. into it. Yeah. yeah. And I just did not. I wow. swear that was like, so the friend that brought me, uh, thank you, Alex Victor, who's like a huge fish head, like loves fish so much, has been to like 30 fish shows. One of these people who's yeah. just like so into friends. fish. Yeah. Yep. Um, not me. I, I'm too broke he to like, be a fish fan. He like just like lost, he like kind of lost respect for me that night. Like he was like, Caleb's not good people. Really? Like, yeah. Because he didn't dance. That's too bad. Yeah. You know, that's that was how Alex I've, was feeling about me. I've been overwhelmed by them like that. My first my first fish shows 
were uh new where was a new year's eve run at madison square garden wow and the first night i did not have fun no no <laughs> i had a full-blown panic attack oh no <laughs> and, and the second night i left on the verge of tears oh no just like i'm not enjoying any of this <laughs> And then the uh, third night, we got miracled. We we just were too tired to drive home. Yeah. We were too tired to drive back back to Boston from New York. And um, so we just went and had our fingers in the air looking for tickets. And we, we ended up getting miracled onto the floor. And that's when I kind of broke through for me. That's when I started dancing, having a good time. Hell yeah. Before that, it was Dopapod. I fucking love Dopapod, man. They're love awesome. It. But they're heavily fish-inspired. Yeah. I also... I'll take honestly. This is this is probably going to be the most um, controversial thing I'll, I'll I'll say in this episode. Okay, um, is that I'll take a, a Grateful Dead cover over Fish any day. You can't air any of this now. You can't take it out. Bleep that whole part. I will take a I'm, local Grateful Dead tribute band over the the actual fish words. Uh, I, i'm not super attached i <laughs> yeah i love it all it's like jam bandy stuff is just all good but i think Dopapod be- does feel like a little more appealing to me because it is like that aggressive dancing exactly yeah. it's like yeah it's i like, like jam house, bandy for you know? my generation yeah 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 it's fucking great they're translating it they're yeah. translating it for us you it know works. they're they're saying the same thing works. It's all the same language. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a different dialect. Very well said. Hell yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, you well, reminded me of my, the time I had to pick up, I went with a work friend to pick up another work friend, her boyfriend at the time, because he was in the hospital after ending the Primus show by having a panic attack and throwing a beer at the stage. <laughs> So they didn't do an encore. They were really? Like, they were like, yeah, Albany, somebody threw a beer. It's not cool. We're out. And that was my friend Dan who I, threw a beer. I've flipped out. I flipped out um, at a show before. I flipped out on Trey, actually. What? Yeah. Yeah. Um, on him? Yeah, pretty much. More like or less. him, like, does Trey have a memory of this, maybe? I don't think so. Oh, okay. I don't think so. Uh, so... This 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 conversation has got. I try to go into these linear. We're just having so much fun that yeah, it's fuck like it. fuck it, you know. Yeah. I, I, I also is, I feel like this has been less of an origin story of me and more of a like the things that I've grown out of and passed and beyond. Like I, I I feel like that's what this show is becoming anyway. That's cool. Is like like how are you growing from your traumas? I like that. I feel like that's and also because that's what I'm doing. So I do, I do want to like add that qualifier, but I'm not. I think that people are like, I, you have to be a little self-effacing. Like you have to be a little bit like I'm no longer the like take a a ten strip of acid, no, hang out in the park all day kind of person. But yeah. like I don't regret that having gone through that. Has it made informs me I, where I am now. Yeah, I feel like. I would be, I I would, I don't know, like one of these people, it's all like caught up in the rat race or whatever. If, yeah. And I've found a path. But I also through know. all that stuff that led me to where I am and right where, where I am is pretty fucking great. I like have a hobby I love. I have a job I love in a place I love, you know, like yeah. it, 
this notion, I think, that like you're gonna ruin your life. It like no, just is not no. Doesn't sit with me. I it's like no, no. I I you know use and abuse has informed me has informed who I am as a human being and even in in the thick in in the thick of it I know that there are people who I affected for the better I know yeah. that for sure yeah and so I don't regret any of it yeah um I think I want to tell you this story about flipping out on Trey. Oh, we've just, sorry. we've gone, yes. <laughs> we've gone so off track where I, I, I just, you know, that I'm trying to really just find out what this show is going to be anyway. And I like to tell, I like to, you know, tell stories that relate to your story. And, you know, it's like my original idea for a show was going to be uh tales from a nobody. Uh, that's that, 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 that name is taken, but the idea was like, come with like your story that you like have polished and good and like really informs who you are as a human being. Mm -hmm. And then I'll tell my story that relates to that, whatever story I think of that relates to that story. And then we'll just have a conversation that Peter's off. That, yeah. that was the original idea. And then, then I was like, well, I'm just going to do my Mark Maron impression and try to get to know people. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm somewhere in between that. It's but, been compelling. I mean, I'm in it. I don't yeah. know if someone would want to watch this. Wait, I I'll, think I'll edit it. I'll edit it together. I feel like people who watch podcasts are kind of in for this, you know? I feel like they that want, too. They want to just see two people enjoy a conversation that goes all over the place. It's honest conversation. Yeah. And I feel like we do bring it back. We bring it, you know, there's talking about lines, all about. All there's a thread. We're in Maine. We're talking about Maine. Yeah. We're cutting up lines. And there's lines. Yeah. All right. Uh, so. Give me this tray line. So uh, I it 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 actually, it, it has. So it, it was your friend ended the show in Albany of Primus because he threw a beer at the stage. Yeah. This also has to do with Les Claypool. And then Trey, Trey Anastasio. Okay. So I, I attended this festival for a few years in Scranton, Pennsylvania called Peach Fest. Mm -hmm. That was like my vacation. I went to three years of it. Uh, so, and I had a great time. Loved it. Loved that festival. I think that festival is one of, for being a more highly attended corporatized style festival, it's it's got the most real feeling real communal feeling of a festival that's happening today nice um so one year they they hot they bring on um it was it was the less claypool and sean lennon the claypool lennon delirium um and, and yeah sean lennon john lennon's son so they, they did a band together called the, the Claypool Lennon Delirium. And I was very excited to see it. I'm a big fan of Les Claypool. I'm not a huge Primus fan specifically, but I like the, the aggression. Mm -hmm. I like to get a little dark and, and laugh into the void. I like that. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I was very excited for this set. Uh, just to set it back up, 
uh, the beginning of this day uh, started with me and my good friend at our campsite uh, buying a bag of Molly because it was crystal clear and literally had a rock this big that we called the Rock of Gibraltar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And so we're eating that. This is the morning? <laughs> that was the, how this okay. day started. Okay. Now we're at nighttime of that morning. All right. From not sleeping. We're the only ones awake at the campsite. Right, And right. we buy what looks like the purest Molly we've ever encountered. All right. <laughs> Did it get tested? Is this... No, (laughs) my test was that as I was eating it, uh, I felt like I was sweating out the cut of every other drug I've ever taken in my life. (laughs) Okay. So that's pure enough for me. That passes my tests. And uh, that's my bunk police (laughs) is my sweat glands. It was probably meth. (laughs) It was definitely meth. (laughs) That's what I, that's what I go for anyway. That's what, when I test, I want, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, So, uh. Where that I so during the Claypool Lennon delirium, it's finally happening in front of me, and it's starting to get dark. It's starting to get good, and I'm I'm like, yes, finally, I can can let a little beast out for the weekend. All this, all fucking this love, hippie love, fucking yeah, I'm I'm here for it, but I gotta let my beast out a little bit, and I feel like the I feel like my back starting to arch like i feel like 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 a like a like a uh i feel like a wolf like a wolf werewolf yes <laughs> as i'm starting to form my mouth to howl they get pulled off stage for weather what oh, yeah no. oh no <laughs> and so i'm just blue balled <laughs> completely blue balled you had a lot of pent up wolf <laughs> and it was and then it just got cock blocked okay yeah they were doing this king crimson cover and it was Ooh. like <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, sh- you shook at that king yeah. crimson <laughs> cover yeah they were doing this king crimson oh. cover and it was like you, yeah, yeah, and so, yeah. <laughs> I get it <laughs> and, and, and so I'm blue balled mm-hmm. And uh, and then all of a sudden, this torrential downpour starts to happen, where the whole lawn has to join us under the pavilion. Like they gave us barely any time to prepare. We were under the pavilion. The whole lawn like joins us under the pavilion. All of a sudden, it starts to rain. There's so much rain coming down from the lawn that it literally floods under our feet. There's this rush of water under our feet. Now the whole the whole pavilion is up on the seats. So that we're not getting swept away by the rush of water entering this, the, the, and it gets scary. Damn. Yeah. It gets scary, but I'm, I'm, I'm in wolf. I'm a wolf <laughs> and I'm screaming. I'm so howling at the moon. <laughs> I'm thriving on this chaos. <laughs> and, uh, and <laughs> The festival was almost lucky that they had Trey band on deck because mm. now Trey Anastasio comes on mm-hmm. and really settles the whole mood, really just irons the whole thing out. You know, now, now, now it's fresh linen in that place. You know, mm-hmm. now, now, now we're, we're fucking cotton soft. You know, we're, we're a bunch of, we're a bunch of cotton L teddy bears <laughs> in, in, in this pavilion. Were you still Wolfman? <laughs> I'm undercover wolf <laughs> in this in this sea of teddy sheep. Wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah, this sea of teddy sheep. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I want to see Last Claypool. 
I want to see Les Claypool. And there's Trey on stage, and I guess Trey's okay, but I want to see Les Claypool. Why didn't Trey, so and why did so, Trey replace Liz and Lennon? Well, because a little did I know that they were almost done with their set. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And, 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 but the, the show got the show got pushed like an hour you oh, know this okay. rain this rain situation so happened for, for like, an hour yeah and forty thousand people trey calmed everything and down. trey comes in irons and God i'm damn. seething it's just in this crowd of dancing oh, no. people and i'm wolfman just <sighs> and then all of a sudden i start to see lightning and I start screaming, get Trey off stage! Get him out of here! Get you kicked Les off! Get Trey out of here! Oh, <laughs> and, no. I'm, and I'm flipping out so hard, I'm standing on the seats. I'm like, get, get him off stage! <laughs> that my friends had to literally pull oh, me no. down and calm me down and be like, yeah. you're causing a scene. Yeah. <laughs> so that was That'll me. do it fully flipping out at Trey, at Trey Anastasio. Wow. Yeah, you would have caused a scene. I would have been like, get get that guy out of here. Yeah. <laughs> or I would have been so high, I would have been like, just maybe just get Trey to leave. Trey, <laughs> can we, can we, can Trey leave? Just calm this guy down. <laughs> Why wouldn't he just acquiesce to this angry wolf? <laughs> we are but sheep here. Uh, we I are would... but daddy sheep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah. thank you that was uh that was great yeah so caleb sherman mm. i love you oh, i love you man thank yeah. you for being here thank you for having me i know this was less about you than i w thought oh but at the same great. time so much more than i even could it was conceive. About us yeah <laughs> that's where i'm gonna cut it all right <laughs> No, um, thank you for being here, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for just having this whole space and being the man with the plan, the producer, the the storyteller, and getting me into uh, this wonderful, this wonderful dialogue that yeah. we just had. Yeah. Um, if anybody's unhappy about what what had just transpired, um, <laughs> you can email me at polarstarpodcasts at yeah. gmail dot com. Yeah. Or even better, visit the website and you can contact me through there mm. and I'll have Caleb back and we'll, um, we'll I don't talk. know. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll perform more sexual acts. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> That's behind the paywall, right? On, yeah. the, on the website. Okay. We only, we, do all, I get a cut of we only do teasers and then the rest <laughs> is 25 bucks. <laughs> Uh, do you know on OnlyFans, there's this very popular service that they, that, that many people that have OnlyFans offer that is called dick rating. Yes. Are you familiar with this? I am. What? I haven't done it ha because I, I know that my dick is a, is a soft <laughs> four, <laughs> but. Okay. Yeah. But like, but like who's, I mean that, I feel like that ser service being on the menu is just sex work explained just right there. Just, just like there's so. such a need for male validation for somebody to look at your dick and just <laughs> just look at it i will pay you to say nice things about my dick that is what it's just like yeah. wow yeah wow. and I, like bless bless i can't say i haven't considered it mm -hmm. um but i can say i've never done it <laughs> <laughs> i just feel like folks are doing that 
that's just a really fun folks be doing I am, it i am glad it doesn't cost much it's like 10 bucks we live the in the golden age of ethically produced porn yeah i i would prefer to pay for porn yeah. i think paying at this point really uh, so at this point really uh my i'm i'm lumping porn consumption and and masturbation in with addiction and, yeah and, i have to have that conversation with myself <laughs> i finally you. did it and honestly that's what got me to take sobriety seriously was mm. i didn't masturbate for 60 days damn okay. yeah yeah and and was now that like life-changing was that kind of yeah whew. i mean i started at 12 you know 11 i try i tried it i made it 16 days really yeah that's kind of when i was like "Ooh, you I'm, couldn't do that i meditated a lot okay uh, and now i'm trying to be a lot more conscious about about porn consumption and masturbation mm. at, to a point where um you know just being aware, not having it just be daily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, part of my routine, my nighttime routine. I no longer have an. Uh, I no longer have a masturbation routine, which yeah. I had a clearly defined masturbation right. routine. Yep, I'm familiar with this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, the, and, yeah. And recognizing that it was unhealthy. Mm. Well, this I, is yeah. It's a it's a real thing. I it's it's a, like just like anything. It can have it can occupy too much space in one's life and like i think there's a conversation to be had just about fantasy like gaming can take up too much space in somebody's life yeah i think probably there are people who read too many novels like and are just doing that way too often it's probably i even had i even was led toward um this this guided meditation that said you can't take this too like you can't go too far with this now mm. you know like like meditation is the one thing you can't overdo unless you're going full monk no hermit. you can overdo oh. meditation oh is what they were saying yeah like, yeah you don't need to do this for two hours a day don't put that no. pressure on yourself exactly Word. like yeah. if you're using this as a substitute you're not doing it right which i was wow you yeah. know profound yeah yeah well, that we really talking, loops us all the way back, all the way back around. Wow, to meditation, yeah, yeah. Okay, I love you. I love you. It was you, a wonderful man. conversation. Yeah. Um. Thank you so much. No, thank you. People, uh, like, comment, and subscribe. Do it now. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> People, do it. <laughs> bye. Uh, bye.